Hey, Darren. How's it going, man? Pretty good. How are you? Hey, Take I don't two. know what happened there. Lost it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ethan. I love muzzleloading. This week, we're talking with Darren Binder from muzzleloaders.com. I've gotten to know Darren over the last year of just the rocking and the rolling of the muzzleloading industry, and I'm happy to have him on the podcast today to talk about muzzleloader hunting. Darren, welcome to the show. Hey, Ethan. How's it going? I'm glad to be able to be on the podcast today. Yeah, it's an exciting time. I think uh, we've kind of gone back and forth now here a couple times on talking on each other's show, so it's, it's always good to have you back yeah for sure you know it's always a joy to talk about muzzleloading so real quick for anybody who hasn't watched or listened to the muzzleloaders.com podcast can you give us a little insight into who you are and what you do yeah absolutely so i'm darren binder i am the marketing coordinator for muzzleloaders.com so uh if you've seen any of our stuff you've probably seen uh, my face on a few things here and there but um the main thing that we're pushing right now is our podcast uh, which is the muzzleloaders podcast. Pretty much we just talk about hunting, you know, all kinds of stuff, black powder, uh, have special guests on, things like that. So really excited to be able to be a part of an awesome industry and get to hang out with guys like Ethan all the time. So, <laughs> What is it like to be the face in a way of muzzleloaders.com? I mean, you're out there, you've got, you know, your short sleeve shirt showing off the guns. Sometimes you've got the stash <laughs> rocking. The plaid shirts. <laughs> the plaid shirts. <laughs> the the goal of the company is we we want to be a representative, you know, and so I, I try not to think of myself as being the face, but I'm just yeah. the one that happens to be here, you know, in this position doing these things. And, um, you know, and I just really enjoy working with an awesome group of guys. I mean, we're a bunch of awesome guys. Honestly, all the guys that work here are some of my best friends and, you know, in my wedding and stuff like that. So it's really just a pleasure to work for an, an awesome company like that. So no, I really appreciate that. I think, you know, I kind of goof about being the face, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really just about getting the word about out about muzzleloading so that we get more people involved and can carry exactly. on this great tradition for a few more generations. And I really love what you guys are doing out there. For sure. And that's why we, you know, we love what you're up to as well. Um, you know, I think that the more people that are involved in the muzzleloader community in some facet is just going to be uh, just good for everybody involved. I mean, it's good for the sport. It's good for people's souls. I think, you know, it's just good to get mm -hmm. out and, and take a, take a step back. Definitely. Definitely. Well, what I wanted to bring you on and talk about is we're starting to head towards hunting season. And I think in the West we're even closer, mm -hmm. um, but out here in Indiana, I, I'm kind of patiently waiting for, um, the fall and yeah. like the end of fall, really. <laughs> but I wanted to talk to you about muzzleloaders and Western hunting, mm -hmm. you know, involved with the muzzleloaders. I mean, everybody seems is out, you know, chartering a, an elk hunt or something yeah. with their long range bolt gun and, and doing something with, with modern centerfire stuff. But I wanted to talk to you about Western muzzleloader hunting. There's a lot of options out there right now, mm -hmm. and, but you are a dedicated muzzleloader hunter. Why is that? Um, so honestly, like muzzleloader hunting in Oregon is a little bit more of a challenge just because of the restrictions. Um, and that is part of the enjoyment in it, you know, is I also enjoy archery hunting. Um, and I've kind of gotten away from center fire hunting, uh, just because the challenge is so much different. It's less about finding the animals. It's more about getting close. And, um, I think mm -hmm. that's really one of the big reasons that 
I enjoy, you know, black powder and archery and, and closer range things like that. I think that's great. I think that's, you know, kind of across the board with folks is uh, no matter what kind of muzzle you're using, you can always get closer. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm honestly kind of interested to see, like, I, I'm born, raised Oregon, so I have hunted in the West my entire life. So I'm a little bit sheltered from from how hunting works in other states. Um, <laughs> so, like, what what's hunting like in, in Indiana, you know, in places like that? It's very close. Um, like, my family's got a woods here that's uh, just about 50 acres, and uh, it's a young tree planting. It's about it's just about 30 years old right now, so it's still pretty thick in spaces where there's not lanes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a little bit like Iowa because we have a lot of the crops that really feed everything, but not nearly as things don't get as big as they do out in Iowa. And the deer are are pretty smart. It's mostly whitetail out here. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of roads. There's it's pretty. I mean, it's not densely populated, but the deer know where the people are. So they're pretty they're pretty aware of everything. Um, we've got a couple of blinds that just kind of sit in the woods permanently mm-hmm. that us and a, and a few buddies will hunt out of, you know, a couple of weekends out of the year. Um, but it's really close. I'd say if you're taking a hundred yard shot, you're really kind of desperate, uh, Interesting. really kind of at, at the end of the season and you're hoping to, you know, this is kind of your last ditch effort yeah. hoping to get something. Um, I'd say it's, most of it is, is probably 50 yards and closer around where I'm at. Hmm. That's crazy. Well, it's, it's interesting to, you know, hear that like hunting from blinds and stuff like that. Cause a lot of the hunting out here in, in my area, at least, you know, occasionally you'll get people that'll hunt from a tree stand or something, but mm-hmm. a lot of it's a lot more open and mountainous. And so it's a lot of spot and stock. Um, I am fortunate enough to have a, a whitetail hunt this year, a muzzleloader whitetail hunt that's in the rut. So okay. we'll probably do nice. some, some rattling and, you know, stuff like that from, uh, you know, like a blind or something, but typically mm-hmm. it's a lot more spot and stock out West, you know? Okay. See, I'd like to, I'm kind of trying to plan a couple hunts. Um, I mean, not really, it's not really planning cause it's just back into the woods from my house, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we're trying to do it a little more traditional where I'm kind of back into a brushy thicket or something and, and try and you know, ultra traditional that way, mm-hmm. um, kind of getting out of the blind and things. One of our buddies is, is much older and, and he's kind of lost his other places to hunt. And we kind of joke with him because in his blind, he's got a little propane heater mm-hmm. and a propane coffee pot. He just kind of <laughs> sits out there. And we always joke. We say, Max, you know, the deer can probably smell the coffee. But <laughs> that's a, that's a five-star hunting experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's, he's putting the, the guides out West to shame, I think, but yeah. you know, he just enjoys getting out in the woods, sitting in the woods with his flintlock so we can't fault him for that for sure i know and that's what's great about hunting is you know there's there's something for everybody you know if you're the yeah. kind of guy that really wants to get after it then there's that option or if you just want to hang out in the woods and wait for something to come by there's there's that for you too yeah yeah i was talking to um that nick parcher who does a lot of smokeless muzzleloader stuff and he's mm-hmm. trying to get out to past 500 yards you yeah. know in a blind and so i mean that's his game and that's just that's just fascinating to me that there's enough space somewhere where you can do that. For sure. Well, I mean, I was on YouTube the other day. I saw, uh, I think it was some, some gentleman with a, uh, gunworks muzzleloader that shot an antelope. It was like, it was over 700 yards. Um, jeez. And I was, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, to think about that, even with the center fire, it'd be pretty challenging, but with the muzzleloaders mm-hmm. is even crazier. Yeah, for sure. So you're doing a lot of spot and stock, um, you know, for maybe somebody who's been hunting in Indiana and is fairly sheltered. What does that mean? 
So spot and stock is going to be, uh, so in Oregon, um, typically you have a lot more steep country. And mm-hmm. so what'll happen is you'll do some hiking. Um, there's, there's an area that I hunt that's, uh, about a thousand feet of elevation gain in like a mile or a mile and a half. And so oh, it's goodness. like, yeah, just super straight up steep. But by the time you get up there, you can kind of glass the other side and, um, you know, see, okay, where's the, where are the animals at? Are they even here? And you can kind of move on it. That, hunting in the rut makes it way easier to locate. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically with spot and stock, you're going to be like, okay, here's the animals. I see this buck or elk, you know, bull I want to go after. Um, and then you kind of put the stock on it and try and get as close as you can. Um, okay. so yeah. And there's, there's a few different, honestly, like a lot of the muzzleloader hunts here around here are, are rut time. So like November and, Man, uh, that's handy. It is, it really is. And so, uh, it's, it makes it a lot easier for that. So do you do any, bigger game like you've got this whitetail tag do you Mm -hmm. have any fun stories of hunting like elk or anything out there yeah honestly most of the time i archery hunt elk um because the the elk tags around here for muzzleloader are they're like agricultural tags and Mm -hmm. so uh and i'm not fortunate enough to know anybody with elk on their property so (laughs) makes it a little tough anybody out there exactly has some elk on their property get with Aaron (laughs) for sure yeah I'd, i'd be more than happy to come uh take care of your elk problem but (laughs) um yeah so typically elk hunting i i do a lot of archery hunting for that and that's that's always fun you know hunting them in september when they're rutting really hard and um but uh, as far as honestly most of the time when i muzzleloader hunt it's for it's for deer Mm -hmm. okay cool preparing like you're preparing for this whitetail hunt what Mm -hmm. what's your go-to muzzleloader for that this upcoming hunt and then what has been your go-to muzzleloader in the past well um for this hunt i'm going to be a little bit spoiled um we're going to go with hopefully one of the new accurate mrx's like the northwest legal ones okay Um, nice yeah so really excited about that um you know hopefully we're able to get some of those in and and get it all taken care of because we want to do some fun stuff with that hunt as far as content goes too yeah oh man that'd be great yeah. The Darren Binder hunting show. <laughs> oh yeah. That, you know, that we got tuned get... in for that. <laughs> my mom and my, the my sister and the rest of my family. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. And in the past, so when I was 14, I saved up all my shekels and, uh, I bought a CBA buckhorn. <laughs> okay, and, yeah. uh, it's like, it was like a hundred dollar muzzle loader, you know, it was in line, just plunger style, pretty, very, very simple. Use yeah. the number 11 percussion cap. And um, that's what I have hunted with up until, you know, very recently. But now that I work here, I'm able to have access to a, a little wider selection of muzzleloaders. So, yeah. Yeah. You can probably like sign a couple of like the Primo <laughs> rifles out, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. <yep. laughs> like a library card on there. Yep. <laughs> well, that's cool. So, what got you. Why did you save up for that first CVA muzzleloader back in the day when you're 14? Yeah. So, um, I had a mentor, his name was Billy Carroll and, uh, he was into muzzleloader hunting and I started working for him when I was like 12 years old. I just, you know, we did pretty much everything on quick side note. We did a bunch of like Celtic festivals and traveled around and sold swords. Oh, cool all over the northwest nice. but that's uh, the mythos that's my... of darren is filling in exactly yeah that's the pre muzzleloaders days for me but um i, I worked with him and he was a, a good friend a good mentor and he muzzleloader hunted and so he offered to take me out 
one year. And so I saved up for whatever I could to get a muzzle loader and we headed out and, uh, out in a place called Hepner, which is kind of central Northern Oregon in an area. It's, mm, pre- okay. it's pretty desolate. There's the largest town around is probably like less than a thousand people. It's, it's a very remote area, but, um, lots of good mule deer over there. So, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. It was tons of fun. You were talking a little bit about the Northwest legal. Could mm-hmm. you break that down for me? Because Indiana is just kind of the wild west. Yeah. Uh, I think we even allow smokeless muzzleloaders for deer season, which is a little out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the Northwest has a lot of restrictions on that kind of keeping muzzleloading a little bit different than other parts of the country. Right. Yeah. And, um, a lot of that is, is led just cause they want to keep it more challenging. You know, they want to mm-hmm. leave it close range. They kind of want to yeah. keep it traditional. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for that. It does make it a little more inconvenient if you uh, want to use a long range muzzleloader. But um, so basically Northwest regulations, it's used to be Washington, Idaho, and Oregon. Now it's mainly just Oregon and Idaho because uh, Washington changed their regulations recently. Now they're they're pretty much their only rule is that you have to have open sights. Um, Okay. So you're able to use pretty much whatever bullets, powder, you know, anything like that in Hmm. Oregon and Idaho, there's a few different restrictions and, you know, so like you have to have an open ignition, which means your ignition has to be exposed to the elements. So uh, a percussion muzzleloader, like a side lock percussion or a flint lock. Um, And how you get around that with inlines is you have a breech plug, that you drill little holes in or something so that it is technically exposed to the elements. Um, okay. And then you have to have percussion caps and 0209 ignition. So you got to have musket cap or number 11, something like that. Okay. So it's not too complicated. You don't have to go out and retool everything. Yeah. There's usually conversion kits. Um, like CVA is really good about having conversion kits and things like that. Um, I know the traditions pursuits are able to be converted. Um, so there's usually conversion kits for most muzzle loaders. And, um, the tough thing is the, the bullet restrictions are kind of where things get a little bit more complicated. Mm, Um, Yeah. 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 Cause in, in Oregon it's, uh, you can use lead or copper, but there can't be any plastic. And then in Idaho it's pure lead only, but you could have like a power belt bullet that has a plastic base. And so there's all kinds of different regulations and things like that. So. So if you've got kind of a, you're in a different state each weekend, you have to read up before you and make sure you take the right bag, really. Exactly. You're going to want to make sure you give muzzleloaders.com a call before you're uh, switching between states all the time, because <laughs> there's there's Definitely. all kinds of different things. And also like the, the rules change kind of frequently. Like I said, Washington changed their rules here two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always something you want to make sure you stay current on if you're hunting in, in the Northwest like that. So. What do you think about that? You know, that in regards to the, this isn't on our questions list, but on the <laughs> the changing regulations and things. I mean, I think with the past couple of years, we've seen some new muzzleloaders come on the scene that there's, mm-hmm. there's been some, some work trying to get those legal, you know, do you think that creates a little bit of a headache for the, for the sportsman to keep up with or, or has it changed slowly enough that people are able to, to stay on top of it? Um, typically the, the changes are, you know, it's something, and of course, this is coming from somebody whose job it is to stay relatively up to date on those things. Right, right. I don't know what it's like for somebody who doesn't work in, in the, this industry, but um, from my perspective, it's pretty easy changes to keep an eye out on. Usually, I think in Oregon, the last few changes have been bullet related, 
And so mm. it's pretty easy to go buy a different set of bullets. Um, yeah. The tough thing is, like in Washington, um, when they switched from not allowing 209 to allowing 209, uh, if your muzzleloader wasn't able to be converted, then you just had to go buy a new muzzleloader, which is a little bit of a chunk of change. Um, yeah, but I think sure. in general, you know, I'm always pro innovation and moving forward. So I think that, uh, you know, always looking to the future is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean that to, you know, speak negatively of the of the things that have come out. It's been interesting for me to see them come out. I, I feel like in the past you know, maybe 10 years or so, it's been pretty light. And uh, with the Nitro Fire and the Paramount HTR, you know, coming on mm-hmm. as a 40 cal and seeing that that kind of change in a few states, it's been interesting because I think the the press and the publishing for these companies and the wildlife agencies has been more up to date mm-hmm. where they're trying to keep people informed about it. So we can almost watch in real time as this stuff changes and kind of see that legislation in action. Yeah, I know in, in Indiana, it was... Uh, it was rather public when uh, think they was trying to change things here for the nitro fire. And I, I don't know that it made it through for the muzzleloader season, but for the general rifle season, it, it, it is still good to go. So mm-hmm. it was interesting to see how all of that worked and how the public forums worked. And then, you know, you had the remoteness with COVID and things. So mm-hmm. it's, it's been an interesting time for muzzleloading, which you don't really hear a whole lot, those words all together in one sentence. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I know a lot of States, they had to have, like you're saying, those public forums, which, a lot of that got postponed because of COVID. And so that's yeah. kind of put a, a wrench in the work as far as changing those regulations and things. But um, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's super exciting to have, you know, these new and exciting things make shot show interesting every year. You, know, oh, you, yeah, know, you never sure. know what's going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Thor Bullets. Thor Bullets are a premium full-bore muzzleloader bullet designed specifically for modern inline rifles. Thor Bullets do not require plastic sabos or belts to be fired, meaning less cleaning for you between shots. The patented copper base creates an airtight seal, giving you greater distance and accuracy. Thor's unique engineering allows the bullets to retain 95% of their weight upon impact, and the controlled expansion ensures large, easy-to-follow blood trails. Thor bullets are currently available in a 50 caliber version that is sized to your specific bore. Thor is also expanding into a new 45 caliber bullet designed for faster 1 in 24 and 1 in 22 twist inline rifles. For more information on these great bullets, visit www.thorbullets.com. We'd like to thank Thor Bullets for their sponsorship of this podcast. So I see a lot on, especially as hunting season comes around, mm-hmm. and about the West and all of the guided hunts and outfitters and things and kind of the hunting industry out there. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think it's still favorable to, you know, somebody like you who's just a young guy wanting to go out hunting or, or are you starting to feel some pressure with the industry kind of growing up around uh, that area out there? And, and you're referring to like me competing with different guide services. Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, like I haven't, experienced that myself. Um, okay, good. But, uh, you know, I know that public land, you know, self-guided hunts are always, I think the odds, uh, during elk season at least are like one in 10, you know? So it's like mm. you, every 10 years you hunt, you're going to fill a tag. So, okay. um, the odds are always pretty low anyways, uh, unless you're just in, in the thick of it all the time. Um, because yeah. hunting around here especially is very, lifestyle oriented and so because you got to be you know like i said spot and stock you have to be current 
on mm-hmm. where the animals are, where they're hanging out. Um, and if you stay up to date, then that's usually the key to success, I would say. Okay. I was just curious. I think, I think there's a lot of doomsday online about things and mm-hmm. I always get, um, you know, I've never been out there. Uh, I'm not really a super big hunter for me. It's a lot more of the, the competitive side and mm-hmm. the, the building side. So I'm, I'm really glad that the little guy out there can still get out and fill a tag now and then that's, that's good to know. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hunting is just really, if, if you're new to hunting out West, just know that everybody loves the outdoors and uh, you know, we're all just out there. Like, like for instance, I was out on a backpacking trip here this past weekend and ran into a bunch of people, all of them just stoked to be out in the outdoors and, and uh, enjoy nature. So. And that's great. So if you could have one dream muzzleloader hunt, where would it be? What would it be hunting for? What would you be hunting it with? So this is, this is one I was most looking forward to because I put a lot of thought into this actually. And I'm trying to do like your top three, if you need to, (laughs) you know, I I have the one, I mean, obviously if, if money and everything's not an option, um, I'm a big, I I love hunting in Africa. Um, So to hunt the big five with a muzzleloader would be, you know, I'd be over the moon with that, but you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to complete that hunt. Um, but realistically, uh, I, it's my dream to shoot a Cape Buffalo with a muzzleloader. Um, and okay. my dad and I were able to go to Africa when I was in middle school and we were able to do a hunt there. And that was just tons of fun. And they always say, if you go, then it's only a matter of time before you go back. And that's, that's really <laughs> true. So my yeah. dad and I are planning a trip to go back here. Um, you know, hopefully soon, but we'll see, you know, we'll see how, you know, what the Lord has in store for us, but um, we're planning to go back and uh, I want to shoot a Cape Buffalo with a muzzleloader. So, man, that'd be great. Yeah. Are you talking like awesome. a, like a four bore or, or how big are we going here? Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what muzzleloader I want to use. I, I was considering a few different options. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them being like the, you know, CVA Paramount, things like that. Mm-hmm. I know back in the day, like Teddy Roosevelt was hunting them with a, you know, a Hawkins. So I, yeah, I don't know if I quite have enough hair on my chest to do that, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see what we come up with. <laughs> I have to start uh, lifting weights there. And exactly. Spinach. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I did not even think Africa uh, when I, when I posed this question, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The, the big five with a muzzleloader, I think is on any muzzleloading hunters wish list. I think that'd just be incredible. Yeah. And you know, not to take, so Michael McMichael was the guy who started the power belt bullet company. And we got to go visit him here a couple of years ago. And he, uh, told us the story is he, he hunted a, an elephant with a muzzleloader and, uh, oh, man. you know, maybe one of these days we'll have to get a hold of him, but that was a pretty impressive story. <laughs> that would be, a, that'd be a fantastic story. I can't even imagine. I would probably yeah. need a change of pants a couple of times. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I went out to the rock on auction company there uh, last yeah. week and saw some of the like big safari guns that they have. They mm-hmm. always have a few that come in and out of collections and man, those things are just massive. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard. I mean, if, if they just make a 50 cal, just look like nothing. And mm-hmm. you, you hear 50 cal and you think, Oh yeah, you know, that, that'll pretty much do whatever you want. And, and these yeah. guys are walking around with like three quarter inch diameter bores and mm-hmm. <laughs> inch bores. And yeah, it's, Man. it's crazy. 
it's crazy the the technology that and I, I was seeing all that stuff you're posting about and that's it's so a lot of it's like artwork you know it's way yeah. different than than muzzleloading today for the most part yeah it's really it's changed a whole lot um you know and i don't think it's it's good bad or indifferent you know i think that's just how things go mm-hmm. um, and i think it's i think in generally it's good you get a lot more people i know i'm willing to take out you know my cva acura and get it muddy and dirty mm-hmm. a lot more than i am my my really nice footlock you know i i get exactly. it dirty now and then but i'm a, i don't i if the cva busts you know i know i can get another one the yeah. the flintlock you know i'm a little <laughs> a little more cautious about yeah and i mean that's that's a real thing i mean i have the same deal with center fires i have a seven mag that is like a you know an heirloom it shoots great it's awesome i mm-hmm. love to hunt with it but you know, if you get any dirt on it or scratches, you just, you, you know, cry yourself to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing with your, with your seven millimeter? I know it's not a, it's not a muzzleloader, but I'm, I'm, I am curious. Um, as far as like hunting goes or just anything, why do you have it? I guess. Well, I, I got it from, so it was my grandpa's uncles, I believe. And kind of, it worked its way down to me and I had it just as a hunting rifle, um, and went on a few hunts with it. And, um, you know, it was, it it was really special because it was a graduation gift from, you know, my uncle and grandpa and dad and, you know, the whole family. Mm. So Mm -hmm. it was really kind of a a cool thing. And, um, I still love to hunt with it, but I really want to be cautious because I, I'd hate to, you know, scratch or damage anything like that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Those kind of family heirlooms, you definitely want to keep in the family and keep them nice. So everybody can enjoy them for sure. Yep. (laughs) So being the experienced Western hunter that you are, what are some wise words that you'd have for anybody getting into muzzleloader hunting, be it out West or, or out East here where people say it's a lot easier, you know? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, honestly, I would say practice and plan. Um, Mm. you know, when I was working in customer service, that was kind of the thing is just, you know, make sure you're practicing a lot, uh, because it's so easy to, you know, especially in our busy American lives to let nine months of the year slip by. And then all of a sudden hunting seasons upon you and you haven't practiced at all. And, um, it's more than just making sure your muzzleloader shooting correctly. Uh, it's Mm -hmm. about making sure that you're proficient um, especially when it comes to, you know, the more longer range muzzleloaders, when you're going to be taking those longer shots, you want to make sure that you're practiced up and, you know, it's, it's one of those things too, is you want to make sure every shot counts, um, because yeah. it's tough to find the supplies to justify spending, you know, shooting even 15 shots at the range, you know, is, is a lot. And so making sure that you're practicing, not just to practice, but you're practicing smart and making that practice count. So I recommend, you know, hopping on YouTube, checking out different practicing drills and things like that, that you can do. Um, you know, I always like to shoot with a shot timer because that replicates the adrenaline that you're going to feel when you're hunting. Um, Mm -hmm. and so there's just lots of, you know, little things like that, that I recommend. And then as far as planning goes, uh, I, you know, it's a little bit late now. Hunting season's kind of here for a lot of people, yeah. but, um, you know, plan ahead. You know, if, if you just finished up your hunt, it's, you know, never too early to start planning next year's hunt, especially with limited product availability. Like we've seen these last couple years, you want to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row before it's a month before your season. And you're just working with whatever you can scrounge up, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's really the. I think it's been a real reality check for a lot of people mm-hmm. that have been trying to trying to practice and things over the past six months, and the supplies are just now in stock for many things. Yeah, I think exactly. this is really going to change how people prepare moving forward here for at least for a few years until things get back to normal. For sure. Yeah, it's it, and honestly, it's always a good idea even when product is available, but especially mm-hmm. now, you know, just de- yeah. definitely make sure you're diligent. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell people that are new and and just now getting into muzzleloading that this isn't normal, but it's always good to stock up and Mm -hmm. have enough for a year, year and a half or two years. So, you know, you can still get out and shoot and have fun. Exactly. It's not too much that takes away from other people. It's it's to where you're getting to hundreds of thousands of caps and things where you start to really (laughs) kind of bug me a little bit. (laughs) Exactly. And really for for the average guy, a couple hundred caps is enough to last you a few years easy, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's the, you know, more of the bullets and things, the powder can be a little bit more of a rarity. Um, but you know, you just got to work with what you got. So, (laughs) yeah. Well, Darren, I think that covers my questions. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about here? Any shout outs you want to give to anything? Uh, not really. Honestly, we just love what you're up to, Ethan. Love the, I love muzzleloading stuff. Um, Definitely good content. Uh, you know, if you guys want to check out anything that we're doing at muzzleloaders.com, you know, our podcast is uh, the muzzleloaders podcast, pretty much available on almost every podcast platform. Also, you can just subscribe on YouTube, watch the video version. So, um, and if you have any questions, our phones are, are on and our customer service team is happy to chat. So, yeah. I'm always torn between listening to the podcast on my way to work in the car without video or catching it on video on one of my other monitors at work and kind of trying to sneak it in between projects. It's, it's, it's a tough one to, um, it's a tough one to work out, but, uh, yeah, you have to check. We just uh, scheduled a new premiere. It's coming up on Wednesday. So you have to check it out. Okay. Fantastic. I'm going to definitely be tuning in. Awesome. Once again, we'd like to thank Darren for coming onto the show. It's always a pleasure to have Darren come onto the show. If you haven't checked out the muzzlers.com content in relation to muzzleloading, I think it is some of the best out there right now for anybody getting into and interested in muzzleloading, especially into the muzzleloader hunting. That's what the guys out at muzzleloaders.com know and love. It's at their core is getting people out there, getting them started in their muzzleloader hunting seasons and getting the supplies they need for anything related to muzzleloading. I mean, I think we talked about muzzleloader hunting a lot on this show as we head into the hunting seasons, but really they're your year-round muzzleloader supply shop for traditional muzzleloading and modern muzzleloading. So really appreciate what the guys out there at muzzleloaders.com are doing to get people involved in muzzleloading. It's, uh, it's nice to see somebody so passionate and uh, a group of people out there doing their doing their darndest i really think to to get muzzleloading out there in a way that we don't see a whole lot especially from you know i kind of compare them a lot of times to bass pro shop to cabela's uh, as far as the array of products that they offer they offer a whole lot more than bass pro cabela's do and they really care about the sport and about the community so if you're 
you know, kind of leaning towards one of the big box shops, you know, consider shopping for muzzleloaders.com. This isn't sponsored in any way. This is just, you know, my experience with them over the last couple of years of just being great people to work with and to interact with. Anytime I have a question, you know, about some of the inline muzzleloaders that I'm not as familiar with, Darren is always super quick to, to answer himself or, or get one of his team members, you know, to get me an answer so I'm not doing something silly. So once again, thanks, Darren. Really appreciate you coming on. If you want to learn more about muzzleloaders and uh, any aspect of muzzleloaders, traditional, modern, beginner, advanced, I really encourage you to visit ilovemuzzleloading.com. We're publishing a lot of content right now about everything in relation to muzzleloading and uh, really think that you'd enjoy. If you enjoyed this episode, I really think you'd enjoy the written content as well as the videos that we have out there right now. We're working really hard to get the word out about muzzleloading, and uh, I hope that we continue to see this trend that we have over the last couple years of an increased interest in muzzleloading so that we can keep all this going for future generations. Once again, I'm Ethan. I love muzzleloading. Thank you so much for listening. I'm glad to hear that, you know, the little guy can still, <clears throat> I mean, I'm going to redo that so that embarrassing, embarrassing voice crack isn't there. <laughs> In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com.